Hey there, folks. Welcome back. This is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Jared Buckendall. Dude, Funyuns are the best chip. I, well, we might have to do a, wrong. we might have to figure that out. I don't know about Funyuns. <laughs> oh, wait, this is the wrong show. Sorry, sorry. Uh, movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on back. are the best movie. Funyuns actually is a pretty solid movie. I think it got underrated. Dude, uh, you give snub, me a definitely. huge bowl or a steaming pot of, you know, like popcorn, but it's Funyuns. Ooh, those are good. I don't, do you really like Funyuns? I, I, I'm aware of them as like a culturally funny thing, but <laughs> I don't, I don't. Funyuns? I don't. Oh, there you go. Oh, Funyuns. Yeah, that's that's what I was going for. Very much on purpose. I don't like them. I, I, I do like one or two of them. I couldn't sit and eat a bowl of them. No way. I mean, they're, they're definitely one of those chips that I think uh, would rip up my mouth after so many uh, due to the mm. sodium and just the way that they're structured. But, yeah, they're a fun chip. You know, play some ring toss with them. Um, that is about it. <laughs> I'm a Funyun freak. That's all I eat is Funyuns all day, every day. They call me the the circle chip cruncher. They call me the oh the, the fried onion fanatic. They call me the... Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the rabid radius eater. <laughs> there you go. Ooh, look at him go. Um, I haven't had a Funyun in years. Um, I used to, growing up, my parents had them somewhat regularly, but I never really had ate them. They they do kind of have a weird, like almost like a weird aftertaste that I don't love. Would you say that, that it's onion? Yeah, <laughs> they're fun onions. <laughs> I like an onion aftertaste, like an actual onion aftertaste. Like a Funyun doesn't have quite. It's like a. It's definitely a fake. It's like a styrofoam. It's like they, they mixed onion with styrofoam and fed it to uh, us. Like that's... Yep. If I'm going to eat a Funyun, though, it's going to only be Onion, and then I'm Dunyun. <laughs> Do you think someone, like, like came up with Funyuns? They just spilled, like, a bunch of onion powder on, like, some, some styrofoam packing peanuts and then, like, took a bite out of one? Like, is that how all those things came, came to be? Because, like, all snack foods usually come from, like, some sort of weird... Yep, there's a great mm-hmm. origin story behind yeah. all of them. Yeah, like, like sauces an and snack foods. Have like like uh, yeah, Flamin' Hot Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, the like dust They're making a those. movie over that uh, janitor man. Yeah. So no shit. I feel like Funyuns had to have like something where it was just like, well, we have these new packing peanuts that are kind of edible. <laughs> Jim over there just knocked over a bunch of onion powder, took a little snack break. There we are, Funyuns. Nah, it was definitely someone in an office, and they were trying to be healthy. So they were eating rice cakes, but they mm. needed some flavor because those are essentially styrofoam. So they brought in mm. a bunch of onion powder, and then someone's like, hey, let me try one of those. Boom, took it to the production line. The Funyun was born. Took a rice cake, put a hole in the center of it. There you yeah. go. Yeah. What would you do with the other part? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Here's what I think they did for Funyuns. I think somewhere in the world, for some reason— there is a superhero that we're unaware of, maybe a mutant, maybe there's an X gene, and their power is turning stuff into styrofoam. Don't know why that's a power. Obviously, it doesn't work, but they've been doing peanuts for years. And one day, while they were working at their peanut styrofoaming job, someone walked in, and I don't know why, but they had cut an onion, and you know how they ring up, like when you, if you cut them the right way, you can take the onion just as a ring? Like, like how you cook a fucking onion ring, except instead of cooking it as an onion ring, they just threw it at this superhero as a prank and the superhero turned and blasted it with its styrofoam Iser ray. Oh. And then it landed on the ground with no noise because they're weightless and someone picked it up and ate it. Boom. Funyuns born. Boom. Funyuns. Boom. Funyuns. <laughs> so listeners write in and let us know which origin story is the correct origin story of Funyuns. Uh, We're going to build out the snack food cinematic universe, and that's going to be the second movie. SFCU. SFCU. 
That's uh, State Farm Credit Union. Sure <laughs> I like a good neighbor. Funyuns are there. <laughs> anyway, this is the the entertainment outhouse. Um, we're here to <laughs> we're here to talk about movies. Believe it or not, we are the guys from Socially Constipated. Don't forget to head out to our website, sociallyconstipatedpod.com. <laughs> comment on this episode, follow our social links, check out all the videos and things that are coming out. If you're hearing this before August 25th, then we hope you'll join us on Wednesday the 25th, 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on the J-Buck Studios YouTube page. At Jared Buckendall. Head on over there and set a reminder for yourself if whenever that becomes available. And join us on Wednesday night. Join us in the comments. Jump in. Let us know what you think of some of the things that we're going to be reviewing, some of the stories that we're going to be talking about. And just be a part of the conversation. We'd love to see you there. Also, don't forget on the website to join our mailing list and also become an anchor wanker. Click on that link Wanka. over there and send us a couple bucks a month so that we can buy more Funyuns. It's going to be good. Lots to talk about today. A lot of reviews. A lot of reviews. We got a game time coming up in just one sec. We're going to get into a couple quick stories in our bathroom reading. And as I, I'm counting one, two, three, four, eight reviews. So we better get going here Oof. pretty quickly. Let's fire it up with a little game time. We're getting into making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Making the quota. This week brought to you by Snickers. (gasps) (laughs) This is where I take a movie quote. Uh, The guys are going to try and guess the movie, um, actor and character. Whoever can get the most out of those and go for it they get them all then they're they're the winner if not then the other person's the winner all makes right. sense all right i'm gonna wager four by guessing it without even you saying it how can i do that i think sure. yes okay sure um, <laughs> i'm kidding so there's two characters in this quote because the quote wouldn't make a lot of sense without it um but you have to get the the second person in the quote which i think will make sense when we get there Okay, can you please say them both in different dialects or uh, uh, tones or something so we can understand uh, which one the second one is, please? No. Yeah, I second that request. I will not. So the the, pers- the first person says, Jesus, blank, person, the other character. Seeing you like this just breaks my damn heart. And then this other person says, the, the main character of this movie, says, as soon as I rip it out of your chest, sorry, as soon as I rip it out of your chest, fuck stick. <laughs> fuck stick. So you need to name the movie, the actor, and the character. I'm hoping, hoping J Buck's got a lead on this one. So you're saying there's something in someone's chest and he's gonna rip it out. So he says, Jesus blank, seeing you like this just breaks my damn heart. And then the other character says, As soon as I rip it out of your chest, fuck stick. Because at first fuck it was stick. something in the chest. I was like, Oh, it's Iron Man, but they don't swear in that movie. I'm trying to think you're going, probably going along the wrong you're going along the right the, the right tracks here oh ah, okay something coming out this week maybe Hugh Jackman maybe um, that's where my head's going ooh, is this this could be a Wolverine quote yeah um, is it Jesus the end Logan. of Wolverine well, well you guys are trying to like going against each other here oh we're going against each other yes oh shoot uh, okay you're wrong so Jared it's of, not that out of those three Jared if you were to guess out of the actor director and character how many out of those three do you think you can get? <laughs> and if it's just one, if that you have one guess, then that's fine. I'm going to say one. Okay. Cody? I'll take two then. Okay. So I'm going to guess Hugh Jackman, Logan, slash Wolverine. And is that the movie as well? Are you going with Logan? 
I will say Logan. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, man. I'm a champ, baby. Four Got three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! Who's he talking to there? Donald Pierce is the first guy. He says, Jesus, Wolverine, seeing you like this just breaks my damn heart. And he says, as soon as I rip it out of your, your chest, fuck stick. Is that that uh, dude at the beginning, essentially, that, like... Got with the robot arm? Yeah. I don't remember. I only saw that movie once. Barely at impactful first, villain number two. At first, I thought is. it was uh, uh, maybe a Deadpool. I don't know why. I'm I could sure have seen it being somewhere. Deadpool. I needed the context of, of Hugh Jackman. He's got a movie coming out this weekend. That, that, and, that was really helpful. And the swearing, yeah. too. Yeah. That's why I yeah, thought that true. would be kind of a hint with the swearing part of it. So I would like to take part of that win as well. You kind, I Thank mean, you, you kind of deserve some credit for that, I think. Nope. This is a group project. Think... His name is at the top. <laughs> I don't know. I think we can split this one. Let's say both the boys won this week. Boys! <laughs> Thank you. We got Logan. Going to rip someone's heart out. Fuck stick. And the boys, champions this week of boys. making the quota. <laughs> What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, here. A couple quick stories before we jump into our 1,000 reviews here. Uh, Let's fire up some bathroom reading. Sitting on toilet. Sitting on toilet. Jared, why don't we start with you? This is not something the folks are going to see in the Entertainment Reporter or Hollywood Reporter or whatever newspapers, but a little story from your world, it sounds like. Nope, they're definitely running a big piece on me this week, people. A huge spread. I'm kidding. (laughs) That's not happening. I, you know, we've been going back to the movie theaters for a while. I mean, Seth's never stopped, but... (laughs) I, you know, I get screeners every now and then, and I finally went back to the AMC that I typically was going to because I have A-List. You know, with A-List, you get three movies a week. I'm definitely not using those as much as I was. But this was the first weekend back that really felt like, hey, I'm back in a movie theater. And I think it was because I'm sitting in kind of the same spot I used to. There was like three people in the movie theater. It was freezing cold. It was very dark. No one's ever at that movie theater. So I walked in and there's like one attendant that's taking tickets, but also doing concessions and everything. So like this was, it felt like I was back to the movie theaters this weekend. And again, I don't, I don't know what kind of rituals or whatever you guys have, but it just, it just felt nice. Again, I went to a movie that was not maybe that great, but I had a good time in it. You know, 30 minutes of previews, easily wasting <laughs> all of my time, but I was there for all of it. I agree with you. I kind of had a similar thing. I saw on Saturday, I went and, and saw three movies at the theater i traveled about town like i was i woke up at nine or i woke up earlier but i went to a first movie at 10 15 then immediately went down to iowa city which is like 30 minutes away to see an indie movie there drove back came home quick did some grocery shopping then went to another movie so i didn't get back at home from a day out at the movies until like nine nine o'clock that night so yeah i I had that same feeling though jared is like you know i kind of like at the end of the day i'm like yeah, it's felt like going back to the movies again. We're, we're back, baby. <laughs> For now, and then I probably won't go at all this weekend. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I, I did. I made my way back to the theater this week as well. Had a showing of Free Guy that was pretty full, actually. So it, was, it is fun to, to be back amongst the crowds again. Jared, did you treat yourself to any snackums? Uh, I know you're not typically as big a snack guy as Seth and I at the movies, but a little special occasion here? Some no, no. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not the biggest snack person. I'll treat myself every now and then. But one thing I realized right when I sat down, because I looked at my ticket, AMC... To get me back or whatever, to incentivize me, I guess, they gave me, I think, 10 to $15 in, like, rewards. So I'm like, I could have treated myself to, like, 
stupid amounts of food. Like, I could have gotten chicken strips, you know? Like, something <laughs> no one's ever ordering from there. So I guess next time I go, I might go to, uh, you know, just a shitty movie this weekend. I will definitely be treating myself to some snacks. What if you just, can you just go in and go to the concession stand, get chicken strips, and take them home? Oh, definitely. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I'm also thinking, like, They've got to make those fresh, right? They, I, I hope they don't have chicken strips just sitting around because how many people are ordering chicken strips there? They're probably like the the ones you like get microwavable, like the, fr- the frozen section, yeah, that are like that don't have like actual breading on the outside, like the breading that you'd normally see. It's just like a it's like a chicken nugget, like a big chicken nugget, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then they've they've got to cook that fresh. I'm assuming. Well, frozen, they just take it out of the freezer, throw it in the microwave. Oh, no, yeah. you put well, it in a fryer. They've got they got fryers. They might have I used to cook chicken strips. You take them, you just drop the frozen chicken strip in there, and it's it's not. It doesn't make for a great chicken strip, but that's probably what you're getting. I don't know if they're even doing that there. Uh, I bet they would probably just do like a microwave or something. Or <laughs> you know what? Honestly, if I go to the movie theater and get there early enough, I might do that just so I can talk about it next week to <laughs> see either how the chicken strips are, but or they have I think uh, burger sliders. I might just do it and just see what happens. If I get diarrhea halfway through the movie, it's for good content, I guess. The diarrhea. <laughs> I agree. You you definitely should do this. See if it's a microwave or a fryer or... How are your nuggets prepared? <laughs> oh, no. How are your nuggets? <laughs> that's a good question. How are your nuggets? Maybe that's going to be the title of our show this week. We got yeah. some some theater returns there and some 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 chicken snackums. Who knows how they're made, though? Waka waka. I was interested to <laughs> get your guys' thoughts on this story. It came out last week. There is an article here from IGN, and there was an interview with uh, Alan Taylor who's directed a number of things, but a couple of them have been Thor 2, The Dark World, and Terminator Genesis, or Genesis, mm-hmm. as some folks have, have lovingly started to call it. And these are obviously two movies that were not super well received. I think Thor, The Dark World has kind of got a reputation as maybe the laughingstock of the MCU. I, I'm almost certain it's my least favorite MCU movie from my most recent rewatch. And he apparently mentions in this article, one, that his version was quite a bit different from what the studio ended up with. Uh, his tailor cut may have had like a more magical quality is what he says to it. So a lot of changes, obviously pretty tough, certainly in those early stages working with Marvel, didn't get the same treatment as like Favreau. Gets absolutely torched in the reviews, even though it made $644 million. And people weren't very kind in their criticisms uh, of this movie. And the same thing happened, you know, to Terminator Genesis. And... He, he Taylor says, and this is what I want to ask you guys about. He says, I quote, I had lost the will to make movies. I lost the will to live as a director. Uh, I'm not blaming any person for that. The process was just not good for me. Uh, so I came out of it having to rediscover the joy of filmmaking. So he's working on some new stuff, but he, it's not like this guy sucks. He, he worked on Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. He's had different projects that have done really well along the way. These are just a couple of hiccups, but he doesn't mention that the reviews got to him here. It sounds like maybe there was some of the studio interference that bugged him but what i want to ask you guys is this is it the responsibility of like reviewers and people online to be kind even when we don't like stuff like i feel like on this show we're definitely not shy if we don't like something but it's it's one thing to be like i didn't like that choice you made and another entirely to be like kill yourself you fucking idiot you don't even know (laughs) what a camera is and i imagine he was getting some of this 
for Thor 2. So I'm making an assumption that he's responding at least in part to those reviews. Can you please elaborate the difference between those two comments? Because they just sounded the same to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't surprise me. Being in the sphere that you're in, Jared, I'm sure you see a lot of those like overly excessive kind of comments. And it it creates like you've talked in the past uh, about positive reinforcement versus just negative shittiness. Is that toxicity in that review sphere something that we should be more aware of like should we care more about the perspective of these filmmakers who obviously spent a lot of time and and money in putting these things together even if we don't like them yeah i think that like not only my one more thing from last week i mean that would have fit perfectly with this where he's the director so that's the name that's the person but also it's kind of a group project plus from what we've hear or heard recently you know these studios very much kind of have their hand in the cookie jar as well and anything that you make i mean if you go and do a stand-up set if i do a video if seth you know doesn't get his food delivered and they mess up his order you know everyone's going to be upset all around i don't know you don't you don't want to hear that you did a bad job or that people shit on you because again you know when you do these marvel rankings that's usually the bottom one but i think when people take their potential fandom or just criticisms in general to like attacking the person and like you know the extreme of like you should go kill yourself like if you sent i guess i'm just perplexed by the person who's typing or sending that like what is going through their mind right it's mind-boggling and i guess i didn't even know about this news story until literally you brought it up so like i feel bad for the guy because again we've all kind of agreed it's not the best movie but that's nothing against him it's a movie you know i'm able to i guess separate the two i think one of the things here is alan taylor the director of course is he as jared said his name goes on the group project And part of this article is also saying that he just didn't like the way that the studios came in and wanted to interfere. He didn't feel like he was, you know, was able to like over override them with creative decisions. And he just didn't have like the right skill set for it. So I like Jared's point about making it personal versus like, I just don't like this project. But, you know, because he's kind of carrying the brunt of it, and some of that, at least for some of the decisions, I'm sure Marvel and, and whoever else made. I don't know. What do you think? Should should he like nut up and just this is part of the part of the job <laughs> no, is no. to take this negative backlash? Or is it the case where we could maybe be a little nicer to folks? <laughs> I mean, the, the whole Twitter stuff is I mean, I, we've talked about it to death. People are fucking nuts and care way too much about movies. Well, you know what? I think just right there, what you brought up, have them go make a movie. And again, it's one yeah. of those things yeah. like, oh, you, you, if you did my job, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's not my job. But like, you don't know what goes into this stuff. I mean, part of being, you know, making movies and things like that is, is putting your stuff out there and being open to criticism. I think that's the point of art in general is to share something and then discuss it. But when it comes to like, like I just said, the Twitter people who are typically the people who are saying the nastiest and most awful shit, especially about, you know, people who dress up in tights and hit each other with hammers. Like, there's just some people who who go way too far. And there's a lot of people, unfortunately. I mean, I know it's like, yes, it's, you know, it's a small corner of the internet who does it. But this small corner still has a lot of people in it. And I'm sure he was just getting bombarded with it um, because they didn't like the way that, you know, the the fucking god who yields a hammer that only responds to him didn't turn out the way that they wanted. (laughs) So people are fucking crazy. But when it comes to, like, the critics, I think, I think that's something that you have to be at least kind of open to I, I get I understand too there are critics who like go after specifically go after 
certain director and Kevin Smith has that all the time with his movies and yes he's making poop and fart jokes uh, in a lot of his movies but there's critics that he's talked about and even talked to on like podcasts and stuff who just go straight after him no matter what the movie is or there's like an uphill battle that's probably a little more unfair and there's probably some anger that he might have towards specific critics but I think being an artist you also too have to be open to like actual criticism and there's going to be people who you respect more than others from their credentials and things like that but the general person who goes to see a Marvel movie and pays the $12 to see a ticket in the theater, I don't think he should really care all that much about if they're saying that he should die or quit making movies because they have no clue. Well, again, yeah. another baffling thing that I just thought about is, you know, y- you don't have to watch the movie again, but these people, I guess I don't know why I said these people, but Marvel fans usually uh, once a year or whatever, they'll do a Marvel rewatch, and then they always complain. that It takes the whole year. Oh, I'm here to, you know, it's the dark <laughs> world now, and it's like, well, you, you don't have to watch it, you know? Right. Spoiler, people. Yeah. You, you don't yeah, have to. Yeah, you do. Nope. <laughs> yep, you do. Lie about it. Yep. Skip it. I don't even like the movie. I think there's a few things there. I think, one, there's a difference between... And we've, I know we've talked about this, at least amongst ourselves, if not on the show. There's a difference between that is bad and I don't like that. Those are two different things entirely. Like Wait a you minute. can what? And, and, and we have made an effort to, you know, obviously explain our opinion, but we're not here to assert that someone's fucking bad at making movies. And there's a big, that's a key difference. Like, you don't fucking know at Brett. Like, you don't know how it is to make, you don't know that a movie. Wait, do we know that Brett was sending this guy hate mail? Well, I know I said Brett, and we know Brett. <laughs> I know that it wasn't him. Um, but at Brett with two T's uh, is is one of probably one of those internet dickheads. So it's like, yeah, like you can definitely have your opinion. I think that's what Seth's getting at is you know obviously we're here to discuss the the shit that you made, and and if it's if we don't like it, then we should be allowed to say that. But there is you know there's room for reasonable discourse. I also want to know what how much obviously there's nothing here this didn't go badly right taylor is back now he's working on many saints of newark which is the Sopranos sequel which mm-hmm. i don't i don't watch the sopranos but that movie looks fucking cool i saw a trailer for it very cool trailer wait um, is it a sequel or a prequel prequel, prequel. sorry oh, yes okay. uh it's a young tony soprano and it looks it looks pretty cool so it seems like he's fine and this is also for one thing i'm glad that he's back doing it because a director can make movies that we don't like and then make another one we do. We talked about Josh Trank last week who made Chronicle and then went on to make Fantastic Four. Well, Chronicle's not bad because Fantastic Four was a movie we didn't like, you know what I mean? So, you know, when it gets to the level of personal is when you start to maybe cause more movies not to happen and that fucking sucks. I wanna know too how much, you know, this, this article spends a lot of time talking about just working with the studio how much responsibility over this negative experience do you think Marvel carries? Like, you know, they've obviously are the overart, you know, they're the hand on top that's that's making the final calls and not letting these directors get creative. Is it a case now where if you're get, doing a Marvel movie, you should just accept that you're not going to have creative control even though your name is going on the final product? Or is it the case where maybe Marvel needs to be a little more, more loose and let people take ownership of their projects because they're going to end up getting this anyway. Where do you guys see Marvel and their overstep, whether it's overstepping and, and whether or not that's good for the movies or for the directors or whoever? Like, Jared, what do you think of that? Is, would you want them, you know, looking over your shoulder all the time? I mean, I wouldn't want them to, but you know that that's how it is. I mean, when you ultimately break it down, it's multi-million, billion-dollar businesses, and it's like what's good for business, what's going to make the most money and whatnot. And I guess I'm curious on where you guys see this, but my perspective was earlier MCU was very much we get this person in, they kind of do what we tell them with a sprinkling of their flavor. Now they're able to kind of 
match properties to directors and their style. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just better at picking it, maybe better tones, maybe maybe they're just better all around of matching certain things with certain people. And maybe this just wasn't a good match for him, you know? Or is it the opposite way? I guess I'm curious on where you, how you guys see that. Because I know that, like, you know, uh, Age of Ultron, people said that, uh, what's his name? Whedon, Whedon had a fairly he he was able to do a lot of things his own which you know people went back and kind of tore apart because of that but I don't know where maybe it it blended or maybe it was like you know oh so and so director has a lot of goodwill in just the system so we are going to be a little bit more lenient with them I think you're definitely right that they, it's cha- it's changed and evolved over time and and they've let certain director Taika Waititi I think sticks out as someone who obviously put a lot of his own yeah. stamp on things and I think it goes both ways if you're a director no one's heard of and they tell you to make Ant-Man and do as I say shouldn't you I mean you're making a lot of money your name is getting out there maybe this allows you to go make the project you want to make later we've seen even the Russos do they explode everyone knows who the Russos are now not because of community what did they make community you know it's because of Avengers and so now they can do whatever they want so I think there is something to be said for you know sometimes you got to shut up and do your job and directors aren't used to that because they're such artists and so you're right. Maybe he just was a bad pick for this, and it was just a bad matchup in the first place. I tend to want to ask Marvel to give more creative control, but there's so much going on. Like it would be so easy to miss something and fuck a lot of stuff up here. That I think some of that oversight is definitely necessary. I don't know where the balance is, Seth. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's always been Kevin Feige's ship that he's steering. But you know he has different directors in there. Like you said, Taika, and I think Sam Raimi with an upcoming Doctor Strange movie and all that st- all that stuff. They're giving you know direct more and more directors more power, but at the end of the day, it's still oversaw by Kevin Feige, and he's the key master. He's the whole. He's the he's the book holder. He's the dick swinger, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> swinging it like a grandfather clock. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, keep doing what they're doing. It's a ding dong indeed. Swinging out like a grandfather clock. Marvel breaking the spirits uh, of these directors alongside the Twitter fandom. But don't forget, you will see Alan Taylor's uh, Many Saints of Newark coming out. So hopefully that's a good one. He's got a better experience. And Marvel didn't actually kill the career of someone because no one wants to see that happen. So shout out to Alan Taylor. Shout out to uh, everybody going back to the movies for the first time and enjoying those, those real, genuine movie theater experiences. That's going to wrap up our bathroom reading for the week. Sitting on the toilet. Now, flush. Big movie and TV weekend. A lot of shit to review. Let's get into it. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Seth, we start with a show that was a one more thing topic for you a few weeks Mm -hmm. back. The Apple Plus comedy musical finally wrapping up its first season. Yeah, it was kind of sad. I thought there was more episodes, only six episodes. But uh, Schmigadoon, the comedy musical with Cecily Strong, Keegan-Michael Key. And it was done all done by Barry Sonnefeld, who was the Men in Black director. Love Sugar Water. Sugar uh, Water. water. <laughs> from, yeah, from what I mentioned on the One More Thing, essentially it's uh, uh, Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key. They're a couple. They end up on a couple's retreat to try and like fix things on the relationship and they end up going taking a wrong turn and end up going to this magical area called schmigadoon that's a musical world from like the 1940s and the only way for them to get out is they have to find true love so 
all involved with this. There's a bunch of musical parodies and weird humor, fun little cameos and small roles for some funny people. And generally it just, uh, it was a, it was a fun, nice show. It was, I thought it was pretty cool that they were also able to get in like a bunch of Broadway people because this was shot during COVID and stuff. And obviously Broadway hasn't been going on. I think they're back now, right? Did we talk about that? I believe yes. I did the one more thing. I believe they're all back now, or not all, but they're coming back. But it was good that they got to work, and so they got some real good talent involved in there too. A lot of great choreography going on, and weird random musical numbers. There's some like really good and kind of emotional musical numbers, but then there's also ob- some weird fucking ones, like the one we talked about. On the one more thing <laughs> is corn pudding, which is still my favorite thing. <laughs> That I've watched this year made me laugh so hard. Yeah, I really like this a lot. Again, short, six episodes, 30 minutes. It's basically like a three-hour musical. I had a really good time with it. You know, nothing overly complicated or anything like that. Just kind of a fun, lighthearted show, good music. Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key are great. It's also produced by Lauren Michael, so it's kind of got like a, you know, SNL sketch vibes going on with it, too. With some of the weird stuff that happens, but Kristen Chenoweth is great as well. She's a, kind of like a, a town stuck-up lady, like she's trying to run, trying to steal the mayor, mayorship. She's pretty funny, but yeah, overall, I liked it a lot. If you have Apple TV Plus, if you like musicals, I would recommend this one. I can second that. This is I do like musicals, and I have not finished the season. I three or four episodes in, and really enjoying this. There's some pretty fun stuff. Corn Puddin is a certified slapper. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to want to miss that one for sure. So Schmigadoon in its entirety. Seth, are we expecting season two here, or is this more no. of a limited series type? Yeah, definitely just a one season thing. It ends, it wraps up very nicely. So yeah, definitely. Unless maybe they bring in, maybe they do another season with like two new people. And maybe change like the setting or something. They could do that too. Hmm. I wouldn't mind that. I think that'd be kind of cool. That'd be very cool. Yeah. Do like a like cats for a whole season. That'd be <laughs> fucking buttholes. cool. Yeah. Release the butthole cut. We want that for sure. Uh, Schmigadoon available in its entirety now over on Apple TV Plus. Also available in its entirety. I have been waiting so long to talk about this fucking show. Dave season two is. Uh, it's all out. It's all on Hulu now. So if you've got my password, and if you're listening to this, you probably do, yep. uh, go watch all of Dave season two. I think this is one of my favorite shows that I've like watched, like followed along with and not like gone back and binged or caught up with later. Like I've been watching it since the start. It's one of my favorite shows that I've ever watched that way. I think season two for me had a little bit of a rocky first half. They were, they were doing some yeah. things that were not necessarily linear with the storyline, but kind of offshoot type stories, which were in and of themselves fine. But I think Dave is at its best when it's really driving Dave through, you know, events in his life and him growing and changing in his career. And the second half of this season, I told someone the other day, it was my brother actually, he said he's got three episodes left of the season. I said, the 90 minutes, the last three episodes are some of the best 90 minutes of anything that I've watched in like a year and probably more than that. I love this so fucking much. Uh, the end of this season, I thought that the end of season one of Dave, the very ending, was my favorite thing I had ever seen at mm-hmm. the end of a, a season. They topped it somehow in season two. And I was completely, I loved this so much. I can get into detail, but um, you guys should talk to uh, this one of my favorite shits in a long time. Yeah, I think, uh, Cody, I would 
vastly agree with what you're saying about this. Like, I still think season one I had more laughs out of, but season two hit me, like, in the feels. Like, each episode really kind of had, like, this emotional toll or kind of lesson that they were talking about. You know, it put you into the shoes of certain characters. Again, the first half of it felt disjointed, where it's kind of building out different things which maybe tie into season three i don't know but (laughs) you guys had you know been talking up the last two episodes and i watched them and i was blown away by the last two episodes specifically the second to last one they get weird with things but i (laughs) fully loved all of the weirdness that dave and all of the crew put into it and then the very last bit of the very Mm -hmm. last episode is something that it was complete like almost misdirect because i thought it was something different it ended like a movie that's what it that's how it felt it's leading up to this moment and it toys with your perspective so well i'm assuming they're doing more seasons again i'm not the biggest tv guy but i am thoroughly enjoying everything that they're kind of putting in place with all of these different characters and how you know life kind of moves on but all of these characters still kind of have like connections and whatnot so like i cannot recommend this higher mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know if they're doing more i think if it were to end i i think that's a, a satisfying it's a good ending. spot to end yeah i think it's a satisfying ending i don't i don't know based off that and then kind of hearing andrew santino on the latest episode of his podcast who plays uh mike the manager mike, yep. mm-hmm. he doesn't know either if they're coming back with more and so it doesn't seem like they maybe even talked about a lot about it on set or anything like that too so we'll see i i don't know if that's something that will will happen but i would be sad i would like to see more i think i I feel like there's probably still more story to tell there yeah the way this wrapped up was i i really enjoyed the finale a lot i still liked the finale more was that that was the one with the wedding right no no? season one finale was at the breakfast club okay Mm mm-hmm I, okay, so my favorite episode still, I think, is the the wedding one. Mm. Um, but this season, the finale was yeah. It's probably my, it's probably my favorite of the two finales, and the second to last episode was so fucking bizarre, but it was very entertaining. It was great. Yeah, and it was a cool way to kind of like get over the hump of the season too. Because yeah, I I thought the first half of the 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 season wasn't amazing. I think the entirety of season one as a whole was a lot better. But maybe that was also expectations because expectations were pretty low for the show in general, like going into it until you guys had had kind of started to talk about it and uh, say how good it was. So I I think that the entirety of season one was better, but I think season two had some probably more impactful episodes and specifically the last two episodes. So, yeah, I would love to see more, but if it did end, I think it's a pretty satisfying ending. And I've gone back and watched like select episodes. I've watched each of the last two episodes I've seen two or three times they just full circle so many things and a lot of things you don't even really realize that they're full circling all at once and and the way that they show character growth in all the characters everybody gets a moment in here to like really act and I don't think any of these people were hired because they're great actors that was an interesting thing for me you mentioned Andrew Santino who's a comic he has some really well acted scenes in this Mm -hmm. Gata in this Mm -hmm. like I saw a lot of shit on Twitter about Gata getting nominated, and I I don't know, but he is definitely not an actor, but is amazing in some of his scenes. Yeah. Um, and and then fucking Dave himself, little Dicky, he looks really at home running a show and being a star of it. It's it's really fuck. Can't recommend this enough. Everybody's giving it big thumbs up, and it's all on FX, so you can go watch it. If we didn't have so many other things to review, I'd spend another ten minutes talking about my favorite scenes and shit. But probably makes for better podcasts that we talk about other stuff. I could talk about this for several days, as I said, but. Oh. 
Seth, instead, we have got to get to your next thing to review here. Uh, as you can tell by Seth's groan, I've just made an incredible segue. <laughs> and I Top know nothing five. about this project, so I, I can't say anything more. <laughs> yeah, the movie's called Nine Days, which is... Uh, Booyah! Segmenting. Waka waka! <laughs> I talked to Jared a little bit about this uh, the other night, but Cody, I don't, do you know a whole lot about this movie? Nothing. Um, so it stars Winston Duke. It's just a documentary about him and his life over nine days. Uh, no. Um, I'd watch it. <laughs> so essentially, Winston Duke is a man who kind of lives in this house alone, watches a bunch of, like, 90s-style TVs, and he watches these all day, monitors them. Essentially, what these all are are lives, spirits, or lives he's chosen to go, souls, to chosen to go live lives on Earth. And his job, living in this house alone is to when one of those dies is to choose a new soul and this process or choose a new new soul to go live on earth and this process takes place over nine days hence nine days thank Uh you very much so yeah that that's essentially that's what this this movie is uh one there's a soul that he chose and he was particularly fond of it and she unexpectedly dies Mm. and so then he now has to go through this process again he's reeling after that because he was, he was very connected to that soul because he also is a former human who gets to choose these so essentially like once you once you're on, on earth and then die then it's over but he got a chance to come back and now choose souls through an interview process so there's also these other like the souls who haven't been on earth yet benedict wong is one of them bd wong um, bd wong <laughs> and he, he's like he's winston duke's friend but he also is basically kind of like affirms Winston Duke's choice of soul. So he kind of like puts this, the final stamp of approval on it. That's like his job. And there's like, presumably you see other houses. So there's presumably more of these like people around, but this is just specifically, obviously Winston Duke's situation. Also in the movie is uh, Zazie Beats, who is, a, and the rest of these are all souls, but Tony Hale and then Bill Skarsgård is the other main one, which I cannot not see Pennywise when I look at him sometimes. <laughs> right. There's a point where I was telling Jared, there's a point where he's like laughing in the movie and like with the way his bottom lip is and like uh. his, his laughing, I'm like, that's fucking Pennywise. Uh. <laughs> but uh, they're kind of like the main souls. Tony Hill's kind of like a funny guy. Bill Skarsgård's a more serious and Zazie Beat's like a sweet, nice person. And he like, throughout this process, there's multiple people that he like Winston Duke kind of like cuts off so like there's a bunch of tests and like a series of interviews and things like that to to show who is going to be the to basically the last one standing is going to be the soul at the end of the nine days. So there's like different dynamics with the souls as they're going through the process and getting eliminated and things like that. This was a fantastic movie. I absolutely loved it. Talking about going back to the movies, Jared, this is like the first indie movie that I've seen in a long time where I walked out and I'm like, okay, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, specifically going to that theater and stuff, I guess too. It's been a while since I've done that, but I 100% recommend this one really just interesting set. I mean, th- this setup has happened before, you know, like soul is obviously the, you know, the Disney movie kind of has a bit of that, but with this one, it's way more about Winston Duke and like his, his life as opposed to like the soul that's going down. It's like him and his thought process and who he was in the past and his relationship with these other souls that he's watching on the screen and his relationship with like Benedict Wong and all that stuff way more about him. So that's kind of where it takes that, that whole like the soul picker thing and flips it 
a lot of those movies are more about like one specific soul type of thing. So that's what I liked about it. Way more personal story. And it doesn't get like too crazy fanatical like or magical with the this this stuff. It doesn't like get into a religious space really. It's more just like this is his job and his life and here's what he's going through. Really it was awesome though. Winston Duke is awesome in this one. Zazzy Beats I loved. Tony Hill's pretty funny. Bill Skarsgård is creepy. So, uh, if you can if you can check this out in any way, one hundred percent would recommend going to it. This sounds incredible to me. Like mm-hmm. I, as soon as you were getting into the premise, I was like, "Fuck, I got to see this one for sure." <laughs> so Winston Duke making some soul picking, I, I suppose there. So check this one out. It's nine days is what this is called. Keep an eye out for it at a theater, VOD, however you can get a hold of this. Seth's giving it two thumbs here. Switching over to the Netflix side of things. I'll talk quickly about Vivo. This is an animated musical. Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote this one in stars as Vivo, the main character, who is a, shit, I said earlier kinkajou. what he's called. A kinkajou, yes. He's a kinkajou, which is this little kind of, uh, I hope I can. Uh, someone, <laughs> maybe the editor will beat me out Cancel there. Cancel him. Um, <laughs> it's this little, like, lemur kind of animal. Like a Zabumafu? Um, kind of like a Zabumafu, yeah. And he is part of a musical act with this old man. And so this this kinkajou named Vivo, Vivo can like play drums and dance and things. And he'll talk to the audience, but the people in his world can't hear him. They just hear him like making little clicks and shit. So he'll Aww. he'll sing and talk to the audience, but he, to the to the people in the movie he's just this cute little animal that plays music with this old guy. And the movie really is about Vivo making a journey to take a song that the old man has written and take it from Cuba to Miami, where a uh, sort of a long lost love of this old man is there. And he wants to take the song from him to her because it's a song about her and have her sing it is kind of what the, the journey is. Vivo is joined by a little girl who is a family member of the old man. And she is also musical, but the, the music that they play Vivo and the old man is very like classical kind of Cuban music. It's very old school. And she's much more new agey kind of house hip hop type. And so there's a few different kind of contrasting music styles here, which I think is really interesting. There is so much heart and just like fun, good, like feelings in this. I was like 25 minutes into it. And I was like, I, this is going to make me cry at some point. And it did. So if you're into animated musicals, you kind of know the drill here. If you like the music of Lin-Manuel Miranda, which I do, then I think you're going to enjoy this. You know, I, I'm not screaming from the rooftops for this one, but it was a re- really nice couple hours, a little under two hours, I think. And it's available on Netflix. So, you know, if you're looking for something sweet, especially if you got youngins at home, big recommend, I think, on this one. It was just really well done. You know, it's not, you know, I don't think it's going to win the Oscar, but it's a really nice one, I think. So check out Vivo for sure. It was a good. Maybe the hardest of, of turns. <laughs> I didn't think about this when I was putting the thing together. We go from a sweet animated kinkajou to not a sweet, not an animated, not a kinkajou. Jared, we got a horror sequel here coming down the pipe. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't really need to spend too much time on this one. I don't know why an accent just came out right there. Um, Is that a stroke? Wow, that was weird. (laughs) Don't Breathe (gasps) 2. The funny thing is, the movie's called Don't Breathe. One of the lines, one of the quotes in the movie is say, just breathe. So that took me out of the movie instantly. Um, (laughs) Basically, it's just the same movie done again, but instead of the old man, you know, if anyone's seen the first one, the old man is kind of the bad guy in a roundabout way, in a way. 
he's supposed to be like the good guy but the thing is it was so difficult to sympathize with this man because of what happened in the first movie <laughs> um so it was and and they even said before the movie he's quote an anti-villain so that means a, a hero. hero but then they said no he's an anti-villain and i'm like <laughs> so a hero and they're like no 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 an anti-villain um <laughs> So it was basically like siding with the lesser of the two evils, essentially. I mean, it's it's very generic. Again, it's the exact same movie, but like they try to find another story there. Someone did say, and I don't think it's true, because I'm like, why would you put a two after it? They were saying that this is like a reimagining in that world. Like, hey, this is another story in that world. Like the first one didn't happen, and now it's this one. I'm like, no, you put a two after it. What if at the end, uh, you know how like on It, when you watch the first It, yeah. then it oh. says chapter one underneath, instead of the, and don't breathe two, the two instead like fizzles out and then is T-O-O, so it's like oh. they both happen. Oh, <laughs> shit. That would, okay, that would have saved it for me. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it, would be, it would be called don't breathe either, is what that would be. <laughs> I was trying to think of a Berlin take my breath away joke in there, but uh, surprisingly <laughs> they didn't uh, get the rights for that song. Yeah, this movie's butt, don't watch it. Yikes! Don't watch it. Don't breathe from your butt if you're thinking about seeing this one. Blind guy doing some more nasty shit. Probably sounds like it's a stinker. That's that's too bad. But onward we go. Seth, we got definitely a lot of breathing needed to uh, to sing yeah. like Aretha Franklin, who had uh, her biopic come out this weekend. Yep, her biopic. Respect, of course. Probably her most famous song. But exactly what you just said. It's a it's a Aretha Franklin biopic. Starts from when she was a kid, young kid. Kind of finishes out. Basically, there's a period. Oh, it finishes with she made a an album, a gospel out like a live gospel album. She she recorded like later on in her career. Yeah, she probably was in her 30, 20s or thirties. But it was like it was kind of like a risk. People were like, oh, why are you singing gospel and stuff like that? And been after like some time, she'd gone through like drugs and that type of stuff. And then it kind of finishes out with that. And that was like her most popular album, even though like people questioned it. But essentially, it's about her career, her career throughout her twenties. Jennifer Hudson plays Aretha Franklin. She's awesome. Marlon Wayans plays her husband. It's still so weird to me to see Shorty from Scary Movie <laughs> do serious things sometimes, but he's pretty good. Mark Maron plays her manager, and he is awesome. It surprises me how good of an actor he actually can be. Not just this and Glow, but then there was that indie movie Sword of Trust a couple of years ago that I talked about. He was really good in that. I think I just think he gets cast really well for like the kind of like smart ass sarcastic guy like manager type just kind of like a little skeezy but ultimately a good guy and it's kind of just like sarcastic all the time which is basically his stand up is mm-hmm. that he's sarcastic and mm-hmm. a dickhead but he, he but a heart of gold <laughs> but he's really good the singing obviously is incredible Jennifer Hudson is amazing I, I'm assuming she re- recorded all of this but I, I don't know if they like maybe they cut in any Aretha stuff in there too but she is awesome some of there i mean there's some amazing moments in her career that they capture some some of her you know like iconic performances from back then and things like that and then like the recording of some of the biggest songs too like obviously like they focus on respect and and that her more popular music but then they do kind of focus in on gospel and some of the church stuff too that she's kind of her roots and how her music was always kind of had like a basis of gospel in it whether you know there was like more jazz or rock and roll there was still a little bit of gospel in there somewhere too which is really cool i think a lot of the, the this movie is like in the mid 60s on rotten tomatoes and i i mean i kind of get where people are coming from where it's like cookie cutter and it's very cookie cutter it's like i mean biopic 
you know, A, to A, A B, C, like it hits all the points, mm-hmm. but cookies are tasty. So, <laughs> it, you know, goddamn right. You, they are. <laughs> you got the right ingredients, which this, this movie has the right ingredients. And you know, that, that as long as that cookie cutter is a shape that can still eat after it's cut, it's going to be a tasty cookie. So I like this. I, I really, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm sure that it'll at least get like some sort of music Oscar, I, I don't think like any of the performances really blew me away or anything like that. So I don't think this will be like an Oscar movie, you know, for acting or best picture or anything like that. But definitely the music was awesome and Jennifer Hudson was great. So I'd, I'd recommend it if you're a fan of hers. It's two and a half hours, but it moves pretty quick. So nice. You get a fucking cookie and a star. There Shout you go. Shout out to the Aretha <laughs> folks making a tasty oatmeal raisin cookie with respect. <laughs> we love to see that. Yeah, I, I may check this one out. That's, that's long, but biopics are long. If you're watching a biopic, yeah. you know what you're getting into. Yeah, it moves quick, though. It's it's pretty entertaining, and there's some emotional moments and all that. You know, normal beats are hit, but... I mean, you could probably guess, like, the three things that happen in it just because it's a biopic, especially, like, a music biopic. <laughs> well, if you want to hit those beats, see Respect. This is in theaters now. And believe it or not, our next uh, film which I did this one by accident, is also about singing in a way. Jared, you have been cranking this one up for weeks. I I know that you have have said this is maybe... Guys, it's on my top movies of the year. Not not even maybe. It definitely is on that list. So I know you loved this. Can you set up the plot for us? And then, Seth, I know you caught this one as well, so let us know if Jared's being crazy here. Yeah, I'm going to do a nice underhand lob to you, Seth, and you're going to fucking send this, baby. Uh Um... So this movie is called CODA. CODA stands for Child, I believe, of a yep. Deaf Adults. And essentially it's like this coming-of-age story where it's this young girl. She's the only one that can hear in her family, brother, mom, dad, and they have mm-hmm. like a fishing company. So you kind of are introduced to that. And then, you you know, the typical kind of high school stuff of her maybe liking a boy and then falls into a club that she normally wouldn't have gone into because the boy was in there and then discovers her love for singing. But then throughout that, you discover all of this kind of, you know, there's family turmoil. There's, you know, hey, do I follow the status quo of what the family's doing? I need to be there because I'm the only hearing member and I'm the translator. Or do I go off and follow my dreams, essentially? I don't want to give too much away because, again, Again, there's some things in there that like that's what makes this movie special but uh that's kind of the setup of it so this movie has the three things in a movie i'm looking for yeah it does if you're trying <laughs> if you're trying if you're trying to get seth and t- to watch a movie and love it there's three things it's a coming of age movie it's a end of high school movie and it's a singing movie Got all three. This, this Jared has talked this movie up for. I came. So he, you watched it at South by, right? Uh, no, this was Sundance. Sundance. This was okay. The very first movie I think I watched at Sundance, and I physically hadn't cried that long <laughs> in a long time. So, so it stuck with me. So I was I was nervous to be honest because this was what seven months ago. So I had because I had I remember coming down the stairs. I'd like taken off work and all that stuff. And I'm like, all right, we're ready to watch the movies. And you were sitting on the couch and you were like, I just got done crying at the, the hardest I've ever cried at a mm-hmm. movie. And you'd been saying how great it was and all that stuff. And I'd thought about you had mentioned like, yeah, we could watch that again. Or if you wanted to throw that on while I'm doing something and I never I never did. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because I wouldn't have wanted to be around. Uh, oh, anyone no. <laughs> watching it because just like Jared said, this is the hardest I've ever cried at a movie. <laughs> wow! The, <what>? Yes, <laughs> the last thirty minutes. Yes, is like a, a nonstop. There's there is a scene in this movie that it might be my favorite scene in a movie like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do, like 
it's it's a super cool i don't want to say too much but they make a move that makes sense but it's so fucking cool and you're thinking the whole movie of like at least my thought was like how are they going to get to this like there there there's you know if you're following the beats of a movie they're going to eventually get to a point where this character does this and there's going to be a breaking point and the break the the way they make that breaking point happen in a way that makes sense for the characters it's such a cool scene it's a sh- like fucking shivers like mm-hmm. it's goosebumps i'm getting goosebumps and just then, thinking about it and then so it's am like, i haven't even seen it <laughs> and, then, and then it was like that's it was like it was like one of those like where the tears start coming where you just don't even think about them like you're just watching the scene and it just starts coming down and then like they hit emotional beat after emotional beat after emotional beat for 30 more minutes <laughs> and it just like does not stop oh yeah and it's like sad it's happy it's like because they do such a good job of building up to that point with the whole family dynamic and all that stuff and the singing holy shit this girl can sing yep <laughs> so there's some there's just her just her voice and some of the, like the the way they they set it up to kind of just make amplify her voice and make it feel more you can just see her confidence more as the movie goes on as she's discovering her voice and getting better you can see like her change as a person yeah it's awesome it, Man. it's it's easy like jared said easily the i the best movie of the year yeah yeah easily. i would I, i'm again i watched it for the second time in the same not as hard response but i did yeah the last 30 minutes like seth is saying just tears waterworks for sure and then like you were just talking i think yeah i've realized my favorite kind of movie is a teenage girl coming of age story i can't relate <laughs> to that at all but that is my favorite kind of movie ladybird uh, book book smart, smart, this movie, Teen Spirit, teen spirit uh, Hearts Beat Loud. Like, my yeah. life, I, I'm I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut that clip. <laughs> need that as a soundbite. That's just a hard end of the show. We, we cut, the show ends right there. Uh, thanks I'm for joining woman. us. I'm a woman. It's weird, though. You're right. And that's like, uh, I'm so excited to watch this. Like, you gotta I'm, watch it. You, if it, if it got you good, like Jared, I know Jared's a little bit more of a crier, but if it got you, Seth, that good, I'm going to need towels. I think (laughs) this this may be a record for wet Cody's. I hope that I am properly prepared. The girl, the main girl is just so likable. She's like funny and, you know, like sarcastic, but she's also like really sweet and nice. And the the family together, uh, Marley Matlin, like the herd, she's the mom in it and she's. Her, well, she's actually a deaf the, actress, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think the the dad was he in like Quiet Place? Maybe. I, know. I know that he he is deaf. He's as been well. in stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in stuff too. But those two are amazing in it and like the whole family dynamic is so funny. Like they're they're a hilarious oh, yeah. family. Dude, and, and it's established within the first meeting of Oh them. yeah. <laughs> you're you're like, this is what the family's all about. Yeah, it's 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 a hilarious movie. It's like it's very funny. Great music fantastic music her her music teacher at the at the school is awesome like their relationship is my favorite in the movie which it's which awesome. i looked it up the the love interest is the main lead or kid from sing street really yeah no shit yep. oh man oh, i love that guy yeah holy fuck you're right i just now saw it yep i didn't even I don't think see about him. it where the fuck is he on this list i don't see him um miles crazy yep no shit that is him oh man i gotta watch this movie now it's so good it's it, it's yeah I so th- good I, I'm very because again next week people you know obviously live show I'm very curious to hear what you say it might not if I survive that I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> live through this from the sound of it I oof 
It's, you guys almost made me cry talking about the fucking thing. Jesus. It's so uh, good. Coda. You I gotta watch, watch it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be, to be, it's it's up to, like hearts beat loud. Kind of the same like feeling it hit for me. It's like I I need, I'm gonna watch this again. I know it. Like wow, Coda. And did you go to the theater, Seth, or this is just no, on Apple? I watched it on Apple, and again, like it's playing in the theater this weekend. It wasn't playing last weekend. And uh, again, I'm glad I didn't go because that would have been one I would have to have left immediately, hid <laughs> <laughs> hid my face the entire way out. <laughs> I'm just going to quick check and see if I get this because I don't have a problem crying in public. So let's You're going to want to bring at least the sleeve with you to maybe wipe wipe some stuff off because you're going to be... I'll wear a thick sweater. <laughs> okay, it doesn't look like... I may have just been saved by Regal. I, it doesn't look yeah. like we have this here locally, but uh, I will it watch it at home. playing at the indie theater here, so I would... Yeah, it's. I, I think it's a pretty, pretty limited. And I'm, I'm assuming they're only doing it for Oscar stuff because sure. it's I, I've already seen it on Oscar lists too as it should be this may be the best and review I've heard that I for a movie I haven't seen yet on this show I'm so cranked to watch I definitely will check it out before next week's live show maybe I'll record myself so you guys can see how much snot go. comes out mm-hmm. of me <laughs> and th- this movie was it was the highest bid movie ever at you said Sundance yep. right yep yeah so like Netflix Apple and I think Hulu maybe was the other one. Like they were all they bid on this movie like hardcore. I think it was like twenty five million. Ultimately, was yep. the Whew. and the thing is, so, this was the, one of the first. I, it was shown on the first night of Sundance. So like mm-hmm. this was one of the first outings. No one, yeah, no one was was had any idea about this fucking thing. You know, yeah, I got this huge bidding war, and and I've seen it on Oscar. I think this. I think more people definitely need to see it, and it's. I think it's going to be one of those like. If it has legs into the Oscar season, I think it's a real, like, dark horse content. There's a lot of big shit coming out. I looked, the lists I was seeing had, like, I think there's a Fincher movie and a Soderbergh, or Sorkin movie coming out. Like, there's a ton of huge shit. A Leo movie, Leo DiCaprio movie's coming out. Like, a lot of shit is coming out in the next few months for Oscar stuff. And this is one, though, that I see as, like, a, what, what was the, the Bong Joon-ho, the um, Parasite. Parasite. Parasite, oh, sure. Yeah, where like it's uh, it's the underdog, but everyone loves it. Like this is one that I could see being a, a an underdog, but everyone loves this movie because I, I think if more people see it, people are gonna fall in love with it. I can't wait. Cody gonna see Coda. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I made a bad joke. I know you guys love this movie. I should have made that joke. Coda yeah. is out there. Apple don't TV Plus. It, no. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, don't watch me do stand up. Uh, watch this movie instead. It sounds like <laughs> is, is the thing to do. Coda, Child of Deaf Adults. Out there on Apple TV Plus right now. Check it out. Bring the towels. Bring everything absorbent you got to this one. Because it's getting the guys all wet. I wasn't thinking when I put this schedule together. We do still have to talk about Free Guy, which seems like really stupid after all that. Um, (laughs) But but we got Ryan Reynolds in a video game as a a non-playable character who all of a sudden becomes playable. And so he's exploring this video game world and wreaking some havoc within this game and and goes on a little adventure here. I don't know that there's a lot of depth here that we need to dive into. I think Ryan Reynolds is charming. They they reel him back just a little bit from his like Van Wilder Deadpool thing, which I appreciated. I, I thought he was really charismatic here without being too much. A lot of little fun kind of Easter eggs is a funny word to use because it's a video game, but lots of little touches here and there. Lots of nods to this. Lots of inside jokes if you're a gamer. It felt... Flat maybe is the word that I would use. There's not a ton of depth here, 
but it is very fun for what it is. Uh, you know, I, I laughed. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. I, I had a good time. You know, I, I don't think it's going to move any mountains, but uh, for what it is, I, I think this was really enjoyable. There's, I think, already talk of a sequel, which I don't hope happens, but very well could. Uh, <laughs> it, it, but, it actually already got greenlit. Oh, God. <laughs> like the well, day after, I guess that uh, I think Ryan Reynolds I tweeted that they were, uh, <laughs> they were like working on that IP for X amount of years, and yeah, they're moving forward with a sequel already. Because again, well, there's there's certain things in this movie that are you know fun like spoilers, cameos, and stuff like that. I think that they're going to expand it into essentially similar again, not the same, but like a Ready Player One world with all of these IPs. I'm glad you brought that up, Jared, because the last thing I'll say is this: at times, Ready Player One better than Ready Player One. I thought there were a couple really good little scenes and little shots that I was like, that feels like Ready Player One, but like I wish Ready Player One had done it. Mm -hmm. And there's Disney here, so they have access to various things that obviously they didn't on Ready Player One that they're able to reference here. You mentioned the kind of uh, drop-in actors and different cameos and things. I thought it was really good for that, for like, oh shit, I get that. Or like, oh, I know who that is. Besides that, I didn't think it was blowing me away, but I did like that part of it. Do you agree there that like they did that Ready Player One thing really well at times? And what was your guys' general impression of Free Guy? Yeah, that's kind of what I liked. It was almost kind of the world that they're starting to build up and whatnot. And I even mentioned it in my review over on uh, TikTok that there's going to be cameos and stuff that really resonate with certain people. I think that we are very much out of that spectrum, specifically Twitch streamers. There was people Mm -hmm. in the theater that I was in that were like, audibly like holy crap it's so and so yeah mine too so that is going to hit with uh i would say maybe different a different crowd than than who we kind of relate to or hang with and whatnot i i mean it's a fun movie i think it started off pretty strong you know kind of dwindled a little bit but then ended fairly well i think if they found the good touches in there in this one and expanded upon it you might again you know have disney's Ready Player One-esque type free guy story. Jodie Comer, I believe. I thought that her chemistry with Ryan Reynolds worked fairly well. Like, in the video game world, they were matching in blows from what I kind of gathered, I guess. Also, her persona in the video game, I just, she was smoking hot, I gotta say it. Like, <laughs> yeah, those glasses, you're not wrong there, the, yeah. the pants, everything, man. Yeah, she, she could get pants. it. Yeah. Yeah, she was getting it all. Totally agree. I, it was a little strange. They're, them them matched up together was a little strange because whether or not it's true, it looks like he outages her by like a lot. And I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, you're definitely right. She was smoky in this one. Seth, what do you think? You dig this one? <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a, okay enough time with it. It was fun. Yeah. I, I mean, pretty, pretty standard, you know, blockbuster. The cameos were, were pretty fun. You know, some of the, the, obviously it was like a video game world, so some of the CG was a little out there. I mean... Nothing that I'm, you know, too excited about. I didn't walk out like, you know, loving it or super juiced about it. But good I mean, time. It was, it was like your your typical summer blockbuster. Yeah. Go have a fun time with it movie. Yeah. It's funny because like it's technically original IP, but it's not. <laughs> you know, because yeah. like there was like references and all that stuff too. But Ryan Reynolds does his thing. L- Lil Rel was fun. That's all. I, yeah. That's all I can think of. Yeah. Nothing. It's gonna. It's gonna sound <laughs> negative. Crazy. But there's there's not really any surprises here. Like yeah. it, you know, you want you know a video game getting, movie yeah. with Ryan Reynolds, it's got some goofy comedy and some in jokes. This is it. Done. Like go see it if that sounds interesting to you. Great popcorn movie. If you want to have some uh, some recreationals in this one, I think that's reasonable. Just you know, you're getting exactly what you sign up for with Free Guy. Whether you think that's positive or a negative, you're right. 
So big lineup here. Free guy getting a getting a recommend. So does Coda, maybe the biggest recommend in socially constipated history, at least. Seth really dug respect. Jared says skip, don't breathe too. I liked Vivo on Netflix. Nine Days, uh, another secretly awesome one from Seth here. Dave yeah. Season 2 is amazing. Schmigadoon is available as well and is also awesome. Lots of good shit if you're looking for something to watch this weekend. We gave you plenty of options today. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! But in case you already watched all that, Jared, why don't we take a look at what's coming up new this weekend. It's coming right for us! Alright, people, this weekend, watch Coda. That is all. (laughs) (laughs) No. There's a handful of things that are out. There's a new sci-fi movie on HBO Max or the movie theaters called Reminiscence. We have Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. Sci-fi dreams or something. I'm looking forward to it. If you're uh, feeling a fright night, you know, some horror, a psychological horror, there's The Night House, which uh, looks a little creepy. Movie theaters for that one. If you want to see a generic action movie, Sam Jackson gets shotgun blast across the bathroom. (laughs) Check out The Protégé. It's similar to uh, The Hitman's Bodyguards, Wives, Cousins, Nieces, Ghosts, Twice Removed, whatever Mm. movie that was. And then we have another one, Netflix. I think Jason Momoa... It's called Sweet Girl. I don't, I've heard this on a podcast recently. I think it's like a, a man kind of a, a revenge mission type thing on Netflix. I might be checking out. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a review. But if that tickles your fancy, I guess, uh, check that out. So there's kind of a spectrum of a bunch of different stuff. You know, we have horror. We have sci-fi. We have action and a mystery one. But most yeah. of all, watch Coda. Love it, man. <laughs> Reminiscence, The Night House, The Protégé, and Sweet Girl coming out this weekend. Also, Coda on Apple TV+. Plus. It's coming right for us! All right, let's get out of here. It's probably going to be a long show. We'll see how well the editor does this week, but let's wrap it up here with one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Quick shout-out for Disney+, Plus uh, Marvel Assembled. They've been doing these. It's like an hour-long documentary on each of the Disney Plus shows, Marvel, that they're putting out. So they did one for WandaVision, uh, obviously Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and now they've done one for Loki. I was a, was kind of critical of Loki when we did our review because I didn't love the way the finale went, but I don't let that affect this. I really enjoy these Marvel's Assembled episodes. This one's very cool. You get to see kind of some of the stuff that went into it. Tom Hiddleston is kind of always along the way for you because they were shooting this doc during the filming. So he's kind of talking to you about different things and talking to different cast members. If you liked Loki or if you just want more Marvel, which who doesn't, uh, Assembled is very, very good. I really enjoyed this one. Also caught the first episode of What If? And Peggy Carter beats every ass. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe the best fight action I've seen in a Marvel shit and it's in an animated. I don't know what the fuck happens there, but that's just a quick shout out for the Marvel stuff on Disney+. Plus. But Assembled being the main one. Check out the Loki episode. There we go. Awesome stuff. My one more thing. I feel like every other week I'm just kind of like thanking someone or whatnot. But uh, people out there, obviously, thank you always for uh, listening to the podcast and whatnot. But uh, during this show, something crazy happened. I have 300,000 followers on TikTok What right the now. fuck? So, um, ah. so thank you, people. Um, in three weeks, we uh, made it from one goal to the another. So, um that's That's banana sandwiches so thank you everyone holy cow man congrats that is massive i can't believe how fast that happened holy shit yeah three weeks i looked it up and i was like what the hell half million by the end of the year 
Fingers crossed, baby. If you're not in, the the bandwagon is getting full. Uh, so get on over there to TikTok. J Buck Studios is the page. And 300K. Join the legions of J Buck Studios fans out there already watching those great TikToks. And you know, for those who are wondering, he does have a link tree on his TikTok account. So that's right. There might be some special links in there. Easter you know eggs. Spicy. My one more thing is another television show recommendation on Stars. Hadn't canceled my account yet after watching Blind Spotting and decided to uh, check out a movie or show I was going to watch anyway called Heels, which is uh, Stephen Amell, who uh, was formerly Oliver Queen from Arrow. His new show about wrestling, about wrestling. He's a wrestler and promoter. I think Florida and Georgia, like kind of that area. And it's about his his promotion and like struggling in the time of with like in this world i guess there is kind of like wwe around um so like he kind of like the local promotion he's trying to keep it successful and things like that so kind of like a family business but also wrestling drama so it like takes place backstage but also like the business and family and all that stuff hour long on stars i really like it so far there are some wrestlers that are in it as well but there's actually some real actors too so it's not just not just a wrestling show. It's like actually really well done. It has good, uh, good Rotten Tomatoes score so far in the '90s. And also, I believe the creator of the show is also was also the writer on Loki too. So it's actually, and it's like his project that's based off of kind of some some stories with the wrestler CM Punk, who's in the show as well. So he was supposed to be the lead, but then this guy got really busy with doing like things like Loki, and I think he has a movie or that's coming out or did a movie recently that was really popular did well but so it's got some pedigree behind it so i like it a lot so far first episode if you like wrestling or good dramas check it out on stars there you go heels on stars uh assembled for loki is out there on disney plus and if you're on tiktok i don't know how you're not following J Buck studios get out there become one of the three hundred thousand followers holy shit uh congrats to jb on that big milestone and that's how we wrap up our one more thing but i'm down to Appreciate y'all joining us this week. We gave you lots to watch, some old stuff, some new stuff, some TikToks, all that. So go check it out. Hope you enjoy. Don't forget to join us on the 25th. That's this coming Wednesday. We're going to do a live episode of this very show. Follow up, get my reaction to Coda. We'll review some of these new movies coming out this weekend, and we'll have a bunch of fun, play some games with you guys. So join us in the comments, 8 p.m. Central on the 25th, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific on J-Buck Studios' YouTube page. At Jared Buckendall. And of course, don't forget to get over there and join the TikToks before your seat gets taken up on the bandwagon. Great stuff this week. Appreciate y'all joining us. But for now, that's going to wrap up this episode. So for Jared Buckendall and Seth Ott, I've been Cody Michael, and we'll see you next time. Bye.